I can see you. I can see me. I'll be the eyes so that I just can be. This is a special episode of a new series called Enough for All of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. This special series sheds light on 75 years of an NGO called CWS. My name is Moody's Blue. Okay, good day, everybody. This is yet another episode of the podcast series about Church World Service, 75 years old. And um, I'm really delighted to um, to have John uh, with me today. And I would like to ask John to introduce himself and tell a little bit about himself as well. John, please go ahead. I'm the Reverend uh, John McCullough um, and uh, President Emeritus of Church World Service. It's... Uh, been one of the greatest honors and privileges of my life to have served as the executive director and then president and CEO of Church World Service uh, beginning in the year uh, 2000 uh, and uh, and concluding uh, at the start of uh, 2021 at the end of the end of January uh, and um, so um, uh, just grateful for the opportunity to have uh, served uh, in this amazing organization uh, and to uh, have an opportunity to be in conversation with you today. John, you're the, you're the president emeritus of, of Church World Service, but I would like to ask you a question about your time as the president and executive director. Um, if, you, if you look back at your tenure um, as the CEO president, um, what would be your top three of your proudest moments? Um, well, I, you know, certainly, I think there's a variety of, 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 of sort of significant moments. Uh, I think, for one thing, um, you know, while for the for the public it it, it doesn't mean quite as much, uh, but for us internally, um, uh, I think it, it meant a, a great deal, and that was to successfully oversee the process of separation from the National Council of Churches, uh, and uh, to not only do that, but then also to help build for a more constructive relationship uh, moving forward. Um, so it didn't it didn't end uh, in um, in our falling out of relationship with one another. Uh, mm -hmm. We reformed the relationship. So that's something that I'm very very proud of. Mm -hmm. um, early on in my tenure, I introduced uh, something that I called the Africa Initiative. That was something that. I felt, I, I sensed that uh, there was a lot of frustration uh, uh, in trying to support development uh, work within Africa, that uh, there was a perception that a lot of the resources that were being poured in were were not being utilized properly. And so resources were being wasted. And, and um, I'm very proud of the way that um, CWS was able to work with the World Council of Churches and with the 
helping to sort of reestablish the All-Africa Conference of Churches and then get connected with the African Union uh, and, uh, and then to help forge a, um, a, a, an effort uh, to uh, build a community of eminent persons uh, within the continent uh, who could speak uh, to uh, people in power and, and looking at how resources uh, could be utilized much more effectively uh, and so that uh, uh, the people uh, would be able to really sort of benefit at the grassroots uh, is something that I uh, was important to me. Um, another thing that um, uh, was uh, working with the um, with the Roma, uh, and um, you know there was you know coming out of the the the, the Bosnia War, um, mm -hmm. uh, there was um, there was a lot of fracture. Um, <laughs> Uh, within within that region, uh, and uh, very little will uh, on the part of people to to work with each other, uh, and uh, a lot of the resources, uh, international uh, development aid, dried up, uh, and um, and so uh, not only NGOs but governments and et cetera really sort of pulled out. And mm. uh, but uh, uh, CWS we recognized that uh, there still was a need, and and we made the commitment to remain and. And part of that was was to center in on the on the plight of the Roma, uh, and um, uh, and I'm very very proud of the fact that that we we did that, uh, and uh, our and that has uh, now given us the capacity to have a very effective uh, level of presence uh, throughout a, a huge area of Eastern Europe uh, that uh, uh, would just simply would not have existed uh, had we had we not done that. So. You know that's something that um, uh, you know I'm very, very uh, uh, you know proud of in terms of you know my tenure in in the organization. It, it's a, it's you know it's a the question itself is is um, is one where probably you know you asked me today you know what are the you know two or three things that I would mm -hmm. point out those are probably be the things that I would say today but then. You know, you asked me three days from now, and I would probably give you a, a very different list. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, just because, you know, I think that, you know, CWS uh, really played a critical role. I mean, you know, certainly the work that we did uh, following the tsunami in Indonesia, I, I think, uh, yeah. you know, uh, our presence was phenomenal. Uh, and a lot of people, I mean, people are aware of the fact, of course, that, you know, of the tidal wave and and uh, and, and what that what that you know the 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 tragedy that that, that wrecked you know, uh, uh, up upon that society, but but uh, but there was a war. I mean, there was a, there mm. was a, a, a civil war that was, I guess, you know, that was that was already unfolding uh, mm. uh, in uh, in Banache and 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 the environs, and and uh, so it wasn't just about sort of responding uh, to a natural disaster, but also a man-made disaster. Mm. Uh, that was unfolding, you know, so I, you know, I, I think, you know, that certainly is something which is very important. I could also turn to, to looking at, you know, how CWS responded to Hurricane Katrina, uh, mm. and uh, which was massive, very proud of the way in which we as CWS went into that situation. It was very difficult uh, because, uh, because it was in the U.S. and, uh, you know, most of the the churches that relate to CWS had their own sense of presence in that setting. And so trying to forge um, sort of a, a level of cooperation. And then at the same time, you had all the different celebrities that felt like they needed to put their own brand on something uh, in response and corporations that needed to put their own brand on something down there. And 
so that you know that was a moment that sort of really sort of changed the face of of what um, relief looked like uh, in in the United States. Uh, but uh, but then you know look I, I have to say CWS has been absolutely phenomenal uh, in its stance uh, in favor of refugees uh, and the right to migrate to the United States. And so, you know, the work that we've done along the Southwest border uh, and, um, uh, and uh, the work that we've done to uh, raise our voice on Capitol Hill uh, to try to influence uh, US policy with respect uh, to uh, making sure that, that this uh, country uh, that the U.S. Um, uh, uh, continues to to be a leading uh, presence of of, of hope uh, for people in the midst of uh, enormous despair. Um, I think is 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 work that uh, uh, is probably is as historically important as anything you know, that CWS has done over the course of its, its history. Mm. Uh, and certainly as I've moved into, you know, my status as, as emeritus, you know, it, it's something that I certainly have signaled to the organization that I think, you know, that uh, the organization uh, needs to continue in its commitment, uh, not only in terms of, of providing opportunities for people to, to find respite uh, here in the United States uh, when they need it, but but also to look at the mechanisms by which uh, that can be accomplished in a variety of countries around the world uh, when people feel the necessity to flee uh, in in order to uh, find um, a place of safety. So um, so yeah, it, it it depends on sort of when you're asking me the question. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things uh, that that I can point to. I I do think that you know the you know you know, I'm not certainly trying to brag about you know my ten years, mm. but uh, but the the reality is is that um, this organization is is infused with just incredibly brilliant people um, who who are absolutely committed uh, to a vision um, of of real transformation and change around the world, uh, and who are willing to go the extra distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, to try to make it happen. So it's not it's certainly not about one person. It's it's about it's about us as a collective. That's what church service is all about. It's it's a grassroots movement, uh, and and uh, and and I think that um, you know the impact has been has been nothing less than profound. Thanks, John. I I. I... I like to um, yeah ask ask you an additional question because you you alluded to this uh, global mobility um, so that has to do with your vision about the future of CWS so can you elaborate a little bit about it what what does that exactly mean that uh, CWS needs to focus on on uh, on global migration or global mobility. And 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 is there more to it? How do you see it? Well, um, yeah, I, I'm glad to, to speak to that. I mean, I, I mean, there are so many different things about CWS, you know, that we haven't even 
addressed, <laughs> you know, so, you know, that, I mean, you just can't, you can't dismiss um, or minimize the important importance of, of churchful service um, as um, we, we refer to as the crop hunger walk people, mm. you know, I mean, this, again, sort of the, the, the grassroots community of people who, who care so deep about, mm. about, what's going on in the world mm. you know that they're willing uh to uh make personal sacrifice uh of their own resources but then also to encourage their neighbors to also contribute so that um uh, real change can 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 take place and my vision uh has always been uh centered on on understanding ourselves as a global village um, um, that's not to say that I'm not, not enormously proud. I am an American and I'm certainly proud of the fact that, that I am an American and, and uh, like every society, uh, we have our virtuals and we have our warts. Uh, so, uh, but uh, nonetheless, I'm certainly proud of the fact that I'm an American, but, but, but I'm very much uh, 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 someone who, who believes that uh, it is God's intentionality that we were created as a global village. Uh, and so, and so we have a responsibility to really care for each other. Uh, and, um, uh, and so the solution to problems that exist within our global village is never about trying to uh, look at how we can facilitate uh, everybody that needs to, to, to find, uh, again, uh, some kind of uh, help uh, to, to come to, uh, to the U.S. or to any other uh, one country. Um, it's 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 about you know how do we make sure that in each and every setting around the world where people find themselves um, that they in fact have the opportunity uh, to enjoy the kind and quality of life that from my perspective as a person of faith I believe God really intends for them to have uh, and so and 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 again I mean I tried to encapsulate that earlier but you know uh, you know I I fundamentally believe that that everybody you know has to um has the right to have their dignity respected there are rights that people have uh and those need to be protected government exists for the purposes of protecting human rights uh and uh, and and making sure that people have the opportunity uh to live the kind and quality of life um that they desire, and that's and that's not the same everywhere. You know mm-hmm. that that what what looks like appropriate housing uh, in New Jersey, where I happen to live, is not necessarily the same thing. You know uh, that uh, exists uh, in Sarajevo, and it shouldn't. You know, um, there, there there really should be uh, a variable uh, from from that, uh, and um, but everybody should be able to to have the opportunity to have the kind and quality of housing um, that they feel provides, um, that honors their dignity and provides them a safe space uh, for themselves and and for their family, that they should be able to access good, nutritious food um, that helps them to live a healthy life, to have access to clean water. They should be able to access health services. Um, so that when they do fall ill or any member of their family does fall ill, that they have options uh, that are available to them, that, that, you know, education, we all know that education is the key. 
uh, to development of any society. And so every parent should be able to feel as though he or she uh, can uh, in enroll their children into an environment in which, in which they can learn uh, without interruption uh, and without fear um, of their own survival. You know, and so, the, I mean, the list goes on and on and on of those you know, really sort of basic things. So unfortunately, we live in the midst of a world in which um, there, there continues to be a tremendous amount of instability. Uh, and so um, there are reasons why people feel as though they have to make a decision. And it is a decision um, to, to uproot themselves. You know, and sometimes it is because of civil conflict because there is a war that has broken out. Uh, and, 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 and we all know that, that a, lot of people, a lot of people endure those situations at length, you know, but then there, there does come sort of that breaking point in which, in which one decides, well, look, you know, um, we, we just can't continue to, to stay in this situation. So we actually have to move. For some people, it's moving from one community to the next community over. For some people, it's a decision that they actually have to leave their country and just go somewhere else. Um, so sometimes it's about civil conflict. Sometimes it's about economy, you know, that, that um, people feel as though they just can't make a living. You know, they, they, there's no, no matter what they do, they can't derive enough resources to enable them to be sustained as a family um, at the level in which they feel um, they need. Uh, and so, and so they, they look to go somewhere where they believe those opportunities will exist for them. Uh, and um, in other cases, it, it may be about religious persecution, you know? And so, you know, they, they, they have their values uh, and, and they feel as though, you know, those values uh, are under siege. Uh, and so therefore, you know, they feel uh, you know, that they're unwilling to compromise those values. And so therefore, uh, they feel as though they have to, to make a different decision. Uh, and so there are lots of these different kinds of reasons that have given people uh, the cause uh, to, to be uprooted. But the biggest one that is forthcoming is climate. Uh, and, 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 and so I think, I think we have to recognize that, that we live in the midst of a world in which uh, we already have a tremendous number of people that that are having to relocate for some of those other reasons that I've that I've, I've already mentioned, uh, and and it's enormous numbers of people. Uh, more people are are brooded because of civil conflict and economy and and persecution uh, today than than at the end of World War II. But a tremendous number of people are uprooted just because of those factors alone. And then at the same time, you know, studies have clearly demonstrated, and, and certainly through a um, variety of, uh, of uh, big studies that have been done, but certainly through um, huge organizations like the United Nations, the IMF, and others, the World Bank, have clearly demonstrated, you know, that the uh, impact of, of climate is likely to result uh, in another 150 million people or more being displaced. Uh, and so that's just because. You know, they can't, they can no longer rely upon fresh uh, sources of fresh uh, water. Uh, they can't rely uh, on growing seasons, you know, uh, and they, and so they, they have to move. What's being demonstrated is that 
that's not a that's not just a third world problem. <laughs> it's a it's a problem that 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 exists for everyone, uh, potentially, you know. And so even a country like the United States, where where the largest population centers are coastal. Just look at the dynamics of the Atlantic coast, the Pacific coast, the Gulf coast, up along the Mississippi River, all around the the, um, the Great Lakes region. I mean, it just goes on and on and on in terms of where the population bases are, you know. And so when you're talking about rising sea levels, you know, uh, you know, that is a clear example of, mm-hmm. of um, even a first so-called first world country uh, mm-hmm. where climate uh, is going to have uh, profound impact uh, and in not in the not too distant future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, so I, th- that's part of why I think, um, you know, when I talk about, you know, what my vision is for CWS, uh, I mean, the, you know, for me, for my purchase, <laughs> perch uh, as emeritus, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, but then just as a as a citizen of the world, uh, you know, this is, you know, this is an issue that uh, global migration is an issue that I think is, is uh, huge. Uh, and we have to pay attention to it. And I, I, when I say global migration, I'm all, I'm including climate change, uh, mm-hmm. because it's, it's all part and parcel of the same thing. And, and, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and I think, um, if there's anything that really sort of threatens our, our, um, uh, global civilization, uh, more than anything else, it's that. Uh, and 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 all of us really uh, needs to take this seriously and and not uh, you know uh, uh, play politics with it, um, uh, but uh, really really recognize it for what it is uh, and to do whatever we can uh, to to minimize uh, the amount of uh, of uh, impact um, that it potentially um, can have, uh, not only for for those of us who are living today, but for generations to come. Uh, yeah, I, I I really appreciate you, you know, lifting this up, uh, John. For for the listeners, we are close to uh, 80 million people that are uh, displaced. So definitely, and that number is increasing, as you mentioned, uh, uh, John. The other the other thing is just to remind the listeners that in 2016, the world adapted uh, 17 sustainable development goals. So, mm-hmm. uh, and that goes from end hunger before before 2030 until end poverty, etc. But um, the problem is, or, or one of the biggest challenges uh, in, in trying to achieve those 17 sustainable development goals is because there are so many people on the move mm-hmm. where then, uh, you know, most countries don't take responsibility for those people on the move. So if you really want to make this world a better world before 2030, you better ensure that you also include people on the move because they are very often uh, forgotten. So I, I definitely yeah, I agree with you that it is a very important issue to pay attention to. But I would like to ask you if you still remember the first time that you heard about church world service. Um, actually, I do. Uh, for me, uh, it was, I think, uh, I would say approximately um, maybe uh, 1977 or 78. Um, I was uh, serving uh, a church in Western Massachusetts. 
Uh, and um, I was the associate pastor of the church and part of the portfolio was to be in charge of youth and young adult ministries. And uh, in my search for, I had a very large group and in my search for activities, I heard about something called the crop walk. Uh, and so it was actually something that was occurring in a neighboring community. And I reached out to the director um, and uh, had a conversation with him uh, and a um, gentleman by the name of Bill Wildy. Uh, and um, uh, he told me all about it. I thought it would be something of interest. Uh, and, and I thought also just given the nature of the community that I was serving, which was a fairly affluent community, um, they could be very, very helpful. Uh, to the cause. And so we arranged uh, to, I asked him if he'd like to have our participation. And he said, yes. And I said, well, you know, I have a large group. And he said, about how many? And I said, I have about a hundred youth. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, <laughs> he was very excited. Uh, and so we worked out the details and, uh, and we uh, got the young people involved in, uh, in the crop walk. Wow. That was the beginning of the journey. When you heard about the crop walk, it was also in conjunction with church world service. It was not that because you know that we faced a lot of challenges around the crop hunger walk that people knew about the crop walks, but they didn't know about church world service. But mm -hmm. you knew knew from the beginning that it was something that church world service was behind. Well, that's that's a good question. I mean, I I, I can't say that I necessarily made that connection. I think mm -hmm. if I if I were to say. Um, when I specifically knew about church world service, mm -hmm. I would say that came at a later time. Uh, and uh, that was uh, when I was uh, uh, serving in charge of mission personnel for the United mm -hmm. Methodist. Um, uh, and by virtue of the portfolio that I held uh, for the denomination, I was uh, one of the designated representatives to the church world service uh, what was called then the unit committee, uh, essentially their governing body. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so that's when I really connected with the name Church World Service and, and would make the connection between the Crop Hunger Walk and Church World Service uh, consciously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. No, and, and when we are talking and, and you know, kind of um, doing some research on Church World Service 75, you know, 20, year, 20 years under your leadership, you know, can't be denied. But can you can you tell a little bit how you got involved with Church World Service 20 years ago now, right? So, uh... um, well, like I said, I mean, I was on the governing body, mm -hmm. uh, and um, and and I did that for nine years. Mm. Um, so so I had a long run uh, in in governance with the organization, uh, and um, uh, at the time that I began to establish a, a more formal relationship or a staffing relationship with church World service. Um, just prior to that, I was elected to be the first vice chair of the, of the board um, of the unit committee uh, in, uh, for the organization. Uh, and, and a principal part of that responsibility was to uh, lead on strategic planning um, and that coincided with a decision on the part of the then executive director, uh, Rodney Page, uh, to retire. Mm. Uh, and um, as a result of that decision, um, I was approached about possibly stepping in on an interim basis 
just because the uh, headquarters for church will service and for the Board of Global Ministries for the United Methodists were located in the same building. Uh, so it, it was really, from my vantage point, it was really a, a request um, of convenience. Uh, and I felt it was something that I could actually do. Uh, and so, um, so uh, you know, I made, I made that decision and discussed it with my, with my supervisor and who was very open to that possibility. And, you know, said certainly, you know, I could be seconded to CWS for the length that was needed and it could return to my, to my regular job mm. when the search was completed. Uh, and um, uh, what I can say is that I, this happened at a time that I was scheduled uh, literally for a round the world tour because I was in charge of missionaries um, around the world for, for the United Methodists. And so I had, had already organized this, this uh, visitation tour with, um, with the missionaries in a number of hotspots. Uh, and it was on that itinerary that by the time I arrived, I returned to the U.S. I had, I had pretty much concluded that I had done what I felt I had set out to do uh, in charge of mission personnel. Uh, and I was open for a change. And so I informed my supervisor when I returned that I would accept the, um, the um, interim uh, position. With church will service, but I would not be returning to the Board of Global Ministries. So, it, but it wasn't it wasn't my intent to go to church will service and to remain there. Mm -hmm. It was it, for me. It just represented the moment of making a clean break uh, from one area of responsibility uh, and then being opened uh, to something new, which I didn't believe was going to be church will service. Hmm. So, can you how long was the interim period and? And can you also tell tell us something about why you decided to apply, or you know, when you were asked to to apply, why did, did you decide to do it? And then the the, the third aspect to it also is, um, you know, what you were thinking in terms of what your biggest task was ahead of you when you started, when you ultimately became the executive director and, and president of Churchill Service. Well, the interim period um, pretty much was thought to to be a period of about three months. Um, I think um, the governing body thought that they would be able to successfully complete a search process within that time frame, uh, and that sounded pretty reasonable to me. So, so I mean, that started as of July first. So, um, really, by the end of September, they expected that they would have the process completed, uh, and um, and that seemed to work very well uh, as far as as far as my uh, schedule and needs were concerned. Um, I guess going into going into CWS, I didn't have uh, any great plans for it. I, I I really went just to be a stabilizing presence uh, at a critical moment. Uh, and uh, but I I remember I guess it was probably during my first week there is the interim, I felt that if I was gonna be in that role, I should know more about the organization. So that was sort of in the early internet kind of days or when websites were really sort of being set up. And, and uh, But I remember sitting up one night saying, okay, let me take a look at church will service through the lens of its, of its website. Uh, and um, uh, 
uh, and uh, I guess I probably started like about nine o'clock at night and and about 2.30 in the morning, I said, oh my gosh, you know, I mean, I just, even though I had been sitting on the governing body, you know, my interests really only related mm-hmm. to overseas personnel, which was a very small component of church service. Uh, and so I was discovering all these other aspects of the organization that were very interesting and very exciting. Uh, and um, and so I made it my business to, to really become much more, um, competent in terms of uh, knowledge about the organization. Um, I also uh, knew because I was serving, had been serving on the governance body that there were very strong feelings that uh, this was a time the CWS needed to be moving in a different direction. Uh, and uh, prior to, to my uh, taking up the interim position, CWS had decided that it was going to separate from being a unit of the National Council of Churches of Christ in the US uh, and become uh, its own not-for-profit entity. Um, So I became the first executive, albeit interim, but the first executive for CWS as an independent organization. Uh, And so that placed a lot more responsibility on my shoulders than had been uh, carried by any of my predecessors, uh, and um, and you know there were areas of significant vulnerability uh, because there, I mean there were financial vulnerabilities, uh, and um, and there were a number of personnel uh, concerns uh, that uh, governance had with staffing and and felt that those needed to be addressed, and so really all of that kind of fell on to me to try to figure out how to maneuver it. Um, at the same time, um, the decision to leave the National Council of Churches was not, was not popular or easily embraced. Uh, and it, it also uh, had just accepted new leadership. Uh, and that new leadership was, had a very deep investment in reconciling the differences between CWS and the National Council of Churches. Uh, but uh, as it turned out, the, the governing body of CWS was very determined uh, that the decision to separate was, was in its best interest. Uh, and so it would not, it would not uh, uh, choose to reverse that. So, so I really had to sort of navigate uh, through, through all of those uh, processes. Uh, just in terms of, of you know, actually becoming a candidate, um, that didn't happen until until that September. <laughs> um, the um, The chair of the board had been asking me uh, to to consider becoming a candidate. And who was I, the, the the board chair at that moment? Uh, that was uh, Canon uh, Patrick Monty okay. uh, from the Episcopal Church, and and um, and we're you know certainly very good friends and mm-hmm. and uh, respected each other's body of work uh, and. Uh, uh, but he, you know, had been asking me to really consider uh, taking the permanent position, you know, being a candidate for it. And, and I was, you know, really not interested and very uh, reluctant about doing anything in that direction. And so um, I kept telling him no. Uh, and but he was very persistent. And because, again, because he was a friend, I ultimately said, OK, Patrick, I'll I'll go ahead and put my my name in there. I'll fill out an application and and. For consideration, I said, but I'm, 
I'm going to be very upfront with you. I'm not interested in this role. Uh, and um, so I did. Uh, and um, in September, when they were doing the interviews for the uh, uh, the candidates, the, um, I, it was really sort of the first round of, of interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to cross town from the west side over to the east. Uh, and um, I stopped at Grand Central Station. Uh, and I was a little bit early for for my scheduled appointment. So I decided I find, needed to find a way to kill some time. And so um, when I walked out of Grand Central Station, there was a shoeshine stand. Uh, and uh, I said, well, that's as good as anything, you know? So um, I you know, can't say that I was one of those people that, that regularly would uh, go and have his shoes shined. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> I did that day. Uh, and it was uh, sort of interesting that as I was sitting there and the man was polishing my shoes, that that um, there was a certain um, awareness that came on me mm. uh, that um, that I should be taking uh, this uh, invitation uh, to be a candidate more seriously than I was. Uh, and um, by the time I finished, uh, you know, he finished the shoeshine and I paid him and and walked uh, a few blocks over to the Church Center for the United Nations where the interviews were being conducted. It was within that time frame that I said, okay, yeah, I, I guess if I'm gonna interview, I should, I should be serious about it. And so, and so that's how I went into the interview. Uh, it was really, it was uh, a shoeshine moment mm-hmm. uh, of, 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 of um, a deeper consciousness. And, and, uh, and, uh, and I interviewed, and fortunately, because I had been actually doing the work of churchful service for three mm-hmm. months, I knew a lot more about the organization. I knew things that I thought worked well. And I thought I knew some things that I thought, you know, probably could be improved upon. And, and so I was able to speak openly and freely about those things. Mm. So, John, can you share with us a little bit? And what was, why were you reluctant to um, to go into this new adventure? Well, I'm, a, I'm a deeply, deeply spiritual person, mm-hmm. uh, and um, for those uh, who may not be aware, I am clergy, uh, and mm-hmm. um, not that being clergy makes one spiritual, but but it does point to a certain inclination. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so, throughout my life. Um, I've been uh, very, very conscious um, of uh, a higher um, power or being in my life uh, and, um, and uh, have always looked to that uh, mm-hmm. to sort of point the way. Uh, and so really all of the major decisions that I had made in my life uh, up to that point, as far as I was concerned, were spirit led. Uh, and, but when it came to church service, I didn't feel that way. I mean, I, you know, I mean, when I was asked to step in on the interim basis, I, I didn't feel that way. I certainly felt that way in terms of relocating to New York to be in charge of mission personnel, mm-hmm. uh, and, and doing that work. Uh, and when I felt like I had done what I was called to do, it was easy for me to say I'm leaving because I felt like I had completed mm-hmm. what I was asked to do. I, it was never my intent to be there forever and ever. It, it just wasn't, that's not the way I'm wired. So in the case of CWS, I was, 
I really felt like I was I was accommodating a friend um, by by stepping in on an interim basis, uh, and and it wasn't until that shoeshine stand that I actually felt a spiritual connection to the organization. Mm. Mm. That was the difference. And okay, take us uh, then to you know when what happened with you when you you know finally became the final candidate and that you were asked to uh, to lead. Um, mm-hmm. How did you feel? Bring us uh, through that, and then going back to the earlier question that I asked. You know, did you have a yeah, what was your what, what did you feel was your biggest task when you were sure. starting it? So, um, you know, they interviewed me for I guess a couple of hours, and and uh, uh, when uh, it was uh, the interview was over, and I I left um, and started making my way back uh, across town. I, you know, called home and and because I was you know going to be catching the bus home and and. Um, my wife asked me how it went and and so you know i said oh I, you know i think it i think it went very well i mean you know uh, and uh, i felt confident about what i was able to share and and um and i felt that you know it was appropriate and so forth and so on and so and so uh, i said but there was you know you know the only thing that bothers me is you know at the end they you know they asked me if there was uh, if there was anything i wanted to ask of them and, and, you know, I said, the only question I had was, you know, what do you foresee as the next steps in this process? Uh, and they said, well, you know, we've, the next step in this process will be to whittle this down to the top three candidates and then to go into a next round. I said, um, so, you know, I said to her, I said, well, <laughs> you know, um, I didn't reveal my feelings in the, in in that moment. I said, but everything inside of me said, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> uh, and so she said, "What do you mean?" And I said, "Well, I said I told them everything I think I know um, already. So if they want me to come back for another round, I'm not going um, because I don't believe I have <laughs> I have anything else to offer. You know, so <laughs> uh, and." Uh, and that was just that was just where I was. So by the time I got home, and we were sitting around the the dinner table, the phone rang, uh, and uh, the person from the search committee uh, said, you know, they were very pleased with my interview, and and um, and they had similarly come to a conclusion that it may not be necessary uh, to have a next round of interviews. They only there was only one thing that they that they needed to know, um, uh, and uh, I said, well, you know, what is that? And they said, well, you know, we'd like to to know if you would put together a, a vision statement um, for the organization where you would take it. And I said, well, yeah, I can do that for you. Um, and so um, that's what I did. Um, I crafted a vision statement and submitted to them. They were very pleased with that with that uh, vision. Uh, and um, and they offered me the job, uh, so um, so that's how that that's how all that went.
Hey, John, um, you know, you, you, you must remember that when uh, CWS celebrated its 50 years anniversary, it made a book uh, called uh, 50 Years of Help and Hope. Um, if uh, Church World Service would decide to make a book about 75 years, uh, what are some of the keywords, according to you, uh, that we would need to mention in the title? You know, I, th I think, you know, that's a very interesting question that you're asking. Um, you know, help and Hope really had an enduring quality to it and, and still in many ways reflects what Churchill service is all about. Um, and um, so, you know, I think when we're looking at, you know, what has happened in the 25 years since Ron Stenning uh, wrote that um, history of CWS, uh, we would certainly find that those two words have a strong application. But at the same time, I think um, an organization like CWS is is re very reflective of the people that sort of embody it. Um, and so when you're looking at those who have served on staff, those who have served in the governance, uh, partners that we've worked with, and some of the kinds of national, meaning US national and global issues, um, then I think, um, you know, a word like uh, justice um, becomes a very, very prominent word uh, and is very, very reflective. It's, it's, it, it reflects the character of the organization in, in a number of ways. Uh, but then, you know, another word uh, that is, um, I think, very prevalent is, uh, is the word uh, you know, transformational. Uh, and uh, because I think CWS is, has a vision, you know, for life or, or for the world um, evolving into a better place uh, for people. Um, so, so that's important. I, I guess the third word that I would that I would lift up is is one that that we certainly have used a lot over the course of the last couple of decades, and that has been about transparency, uh, which um, has been a very critical value of the organization. It, it means that you don't always um, make easy decisions uh, because, because you do want to be transparent. And you, do, you do want people to understand why you've taken a, a particular position around uh, you know, a certain type of issue that, that is un, unfolding or you know, why in one instance, um, your position might feel much more progressive and in other cases, uh, perhaps some more conservative, and sometimes it's just moderate. Um, and uh, but you know, I think as CWS, we try to be very, very transparent in terms of the issues that we've worked on, and and to be uh, much more careful in terms of uh, choosing where we would engage um, our time, our efforts, our resources, uh, and our passion, um, as opposed to other things that we think perhaps don't fall within our range of expertise. John, I would like to to uh, to go in a different direction, and and that is, and I know you're you're uh, I'm I'm pushing you here, but I'm I'm going to do it anyway, um, asking you to um, to name one colleague or a partner or a supporter who C of CWS who best embodies of what CWS is about. If I ask you that question, 
uh, who will you name uh, and why? And because you are John, you can also name a couple as a, as a you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such an interesting question. Again, you know, because again, CWS is just about, it's about the people who, who populate this organization. Um, and there just are, are so many of them. Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, over the course of, of my tenure, um, um, probably, I mean, probably the, 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 the one person who I have leaned on more than anyone else to help me to think through what this organization is all about and what it means and, and uh, who I felt I could always trust to tell me if I was pointing in the right direction or perhaps hadn't taken something into consideration or needed to be aware of how a particular approach or policy or stance might um, might be interpreted um, is uh, is the Reverend uh, Jennifer Riggs, uh, who was part of the governance really even before before I became executive of, of CWS and was part of the leadership group, part of the executive committee at the time that I did become the executive and and. Um, uh, and who um, has really been um, a source of a real counsel to me um, over the years. I mean, it's. It, I mean, if if I name one person, you know, I, you know, I, I, I can't um, not <laughs> uh, mention uh, Jennifer uh, mm -hmm. because I, because I think um, you know she has. She has, I mean, I, I think her, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some of your listeners probably will not sort of appreciate this because they may not be as close to the organization as, as, as you and I happen to be, but I would say that her blood is not red, it's yellow and black. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, she, you know, she really understands what CWS is all about and, and it has been enormously important to her. And, and even though, you know, she's, was an executive within one of the denominations that um, that is uh, very much at the core of CWS. Um, I, you know, she was able to to really sort of see her her way well into the depth of of what CWS is all about. Um, so, so she certainly is someone that that I would that I would identify as someone who really who really uh, helped me um, a, a great deal and and who I respect a great deal so many others that you know have been important uh, uh, teachers of, of of mine but you know one of them uh, that um, who I will always be grateful to uh, was um, or is um, Dr. Uh, uh, Sam Cobia uh, who served as general mm -hmm. secretary of the World Council of Churches and and um, early in, in my tenure uh, embraced uh, me and welcomed me and, and, and really welcomed CWS as sort of a distinct organization. 
uh, in still within that ecumenical framework of the World Council of Churches. Uh, and it was as a result of that, that, that he and I, and, and uh, ultimately Andre Caramanga, who was, who was on the staff of the WCC and who became um, the General Secretary of the All Africa Conference of Churches. So and Andre is someone who I admire a great deal. Um, the three of us were able to work together to, to figure out how uh, to sort of rebuild um, uh, the work of ecumenism in, in Africa, mm -hmm. uh, where today it's, it's, it's a thriving entity. Uh, and, but at the time, it looked like it was, it was having its last breaths. Uh, and so, uh, but uh, Sam is someone uh, who I have just tremendous uh, respect for and who was, um, uh, again, a, a very important um, um, guide for me. Those two is as one who was based in the U.S. and one who was not based mm -hmm. in the U.S. Uh, and, um, you know, I can, I can certainly, you know, mention, you know, others, you know, and, and uh, you know, who you know, were certainly willing to challenge me and, and um, uh, travel across the, <laughs> the ocean to, to partner with me, you know, and to uh, help me to, to see things uh, perhaps in some different kinds of ways. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, um, uh, and, you know, whose, um, whose counsel and friendship, uh, you know, I value and will clearly value for the rest of my life. So, um, you know, so um, since you said I could name two, I won't name, you know, um, anybody else. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, but but clearly, uh, you know, those kind of people do exist, uh, and um, you know, they probably don't always know it in the moment, um, you know. But when you pause and and sort of reflect, um, then all of a sudden you realize that they're there, you know, uh, and that they have always been there. And I, I definitely resonate with your, you mentioning in terms of, you know, Jennifer Riggs, for example, as, as somebody that was never afraid to challenge and to give advice. And I, I think if you look for me, if you look across uh, church full service, actually we are very fortunate to have many uh, people who are like that, extre feel extremely passionate about uh, the work of church full service and what they do. Um, I, I, you know, you know that I often jokingly say, you know, uh, we have like how many staff do we have, and they all feel that they are the owner of, of CWS, mm -hmm. that they are in charge, and mm -hmm. uh, that has it brings its challenges, but I also definitely think that's the strength. Of this organization, you know that well, tremendous a, you know, drive and passion. Right. I mean, I've I've had the benefit of a of a leadership group, uh, and um, I mean, it's it's been a variable over the course of the years. Mm -hmm. But then there's a core, you know, that mm -hmm. that have been there throughout almost the entirety of of my tenure, uh, and um, and I've relied very heavily up, upon those individuals to to do their work and to do it extraordinarily well. Uh, they're, they're brilliant people and, and, and very, very gifted people and, and, uh, and whose integrity uh, just is unquestioned. Mm. Uh, and, 
you know, uh, some of them were here um, when I arrived and, and a couple of them joined, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and uh, again, you know, you told me I can only name two, so I'll, I'll leave it there, but, but uh, I've, I've just had the benefit and, and we didn't always agree. I mean, that, that's mm-hmm. one of the good things. And, and I like to think that was a part of the, part of the gift of my leadership was that mm-hmm. was, was creating space where people could have very different points of view. Uh, and and express those and and not feel as though you know there was any sort of punitive punitive um, uh, recourse because because they simply disagreed you know some just try to always create that kind of a climate in which we could have really sort of an open honest conversation and and um, uh, and you know I never felt as though you know it had to be everything had to be done my way uh, and. Uh, uh, certainly there were times that I've, you know, certainly felt as though, you know, my, I felt like I was right <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and needed to exert, um, you know, uh, that as a direction because I felt very, very strongly about it. But in, in a lot of other cases, um, listened carefully to what others had to say. And, and if, if I understood the rationale for why they felt, you know, uh, perhaps we should take a different approach, um, I was willing to, to compromise and, and to support them to uh, pursue that as a direction and i i think that's that's what happens when you have a a, a movement of people mm-hmm. you know is you create that space uh in which um you you invite the variety of views and you honor each and every one of them uh and and you know and you have the discussion and then at the end of the day a decision is made in terms of which direction we're going to pursue and, and everybody gets in line with it uh, and uh, or you know we certainly hope that that's that's the ideal that everybody gets in line with and for the most part that has been true uh, in CWS uh, you know, there have been times that people have made decisions to do to make other choices in their life and and that's fine I mean uh, we're all you know free you know to to make different decisions about you know what we think um, uh, is in our best person best personal interest and and professional interest and and, and that's fine I certainly respect and honor that John, we come to my final uh, question of this particular episode, and I really appreciate, you know, your willingness to talk with me. This, this, you know, podcast series is my attempt to show people within CWS and and who have left CWS and people who don't know CWS what you know what this organization is about, and hopefully, with sharing of different stories, they will get some idea of, uh, of from my point of view, a great, great, great organization. Um, my, my last question to you is, is um, what do you want to say or what do you want to wish for CWS? Well, I, I think, um, I, think I, I want to say that as CWS embraces its 75th anniversary, this is an opportunity to embrace a, a new vision for the organization. Um, you know, while during my tenure and and those that served alongside of me, we arrived at a collective vision for the organization. I think that what the 75th opens up is an opportunity uh, to see see the world through a different lens. 
uh, and and the world has has changed dramatically. Uh, and so um, even even though you know I may have sort of cast in uh, sort of a sense of what I think the organization ought to be about moving forward, um, I don't do that um, uh, with any intent of of trying to to compromise um, the ability of the organization to see things through a different lens. Uh, and, um, and, and I really sort of invite that. I mean, I, I felt like it would be irresponsible for me to step down and to not um, offer a sense of, of where I believe that the organization ought to be heading. Uh, and, um, but I've also been around long enough and have gone through enough transitions uh, professionally to know that that uh, you know when new leadership comes in that they will see some things differently, uh, and 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 you don't need to see that difference as a negative. Um, you you can look at it as a positive, and that's so. As I you know look at at my successor, um, Rick Santos, I think is you know he he finds his way you know into this organization. Uh, uh, and looks at um, what he hopes uh, his gifts and graces will mean for the organization. Um, I think it's it, it's important for all of us to support that uh, and uh, to not challenge it and say, "Oh, it's all wrong." Uh, and and uh, um, so, uh, so I, I'm I'm hoping that the 75th will will be a moment in which um, CWS will, will, yes, be able to cast a glance back and to celebrate uh, what it has accomplished over the course of its history, but not linger there. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that instead uh, the 75th anniversary will uh, be the moment in which um, the organization uh, uh, inhales and then exhales, uh, and uh, uh, and 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 breathes new life uh, uh, in into the future. Um, I believe that CWS has a great future. Uh, I think it's been demonstrated that uh, the mission um, of of helping people to find a place to call home, of of ending global hunger and poverty. Um, uh, of supporting um, the dignity of of all people, um, that those are not things that have been accomplished, uh, and um, so our work is not done. Uh, and and so I hope that um, this organization will will continue to to see that and work at it as as uh, our predecessors did. I mean, this is not the seventy fifth is not the first moment. Uh, in which the organization had an opportunity to pause and to ask the question, oh, okay, have we done what we set out to do? Uh, and fortunately, each time that that has happened, the organization said, we're not finished. There's still work to be done. So uh, that's what I'm hoping for, uh, Maurice, that uh, it will say, we're not finished. We have work to, to do and, um, and we have a great vision which is before us. And, and, uh, and I hope that everybody will will uh, come together in the best tradition of what is CWS and, and, uh, and breathe new life into, into that vision. Um, 
Thanks, John. This brings us at the end of part one of my conversation with the President Emeritus of CWS, John McCullough. Part two and other episodes will be available soon. Thank you for listening to Walk, Talk, Listen. Please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Will you be the eyes so that we all can be? And if you want to know more about Churchful Service, please go to cwsglobal.org.